Election day boosts Republican power on Capitol Hill, and that could reshape policies here in Texas. So assuming Republicans take back Congress, are you planning to scale back Operation Lone Star? That's what I'm saying. We go one-on-one -on -one with Governor Greg Abbott, his plans on issues like abortion, immigration, and the Uvalde investigation. Plus, what he's saying about a potential presidential run. Victims of violent crimes across Texas waiting too long for financial help from the state. How lawmakers are responding to our investigation ahead of the next legislative session. Records missing and a backlog of complaints. A new report highlights data issues at the board in charge of monitoring your pet's veterinarian. We investigate the concerns and the new leadership promising to fix the problem. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Election day was good for Texas Republicans, but the red wave many people expected did not happen. South Texas was a key election battleground national Republicans put big money and resources toward races there, eager to flip Democratic strongholds red. The GOP targeted three congressional districts. Democrats held two of them, but Republican Monica De La Cruz took District 15, becoming the first Republican to ever win that seat. I want it to be known that my victory is not just a win for Republicans. It is a win and a victory for all South Texas. Governor Abbott held his victory rally in South Texas. His win led the way for yet another Republican sweep of statewide offices, a streak that's lasted more than two decades. Politics reporter Monica Madden spoke with Governor Abbott on the eve of the election. We asked how the outcome could affect how he'll address issues ranging from immigration to the Uvalde investigation to abortion. Will you propose revising legislation to allow for abortions in the case of rape or incest? So listen, my, my goal uh, concerning uh, the protection of life, and it really is going to be a focus on protecting the life of the mother. Uh, th there is a deep misunderstanding, apparently, about what it means to protect the life of the mother. Uh, there are some doctors who say that they don't have the authority to uh, treat things like ectopic pregnancies or miscarriages or infections or some other dangers uh, that mothers are going through, and, and I believe that's unacceptable. And so one thing that I'm going to be keenly focused on is both clarifying and, and, and making sure uh, that the state is doing everything we possibly can uh, to protect the life of the mother. So you support protecting the life of the mother and clarifying the language around that. Do you support clarifying the language to allow for exceptions for rape and incest since recent polling shows about 80% of voters do support access in those cases? Sure. So again, my focus is on protecting both the life of the mother as well as the life of the baby. Now to immigration. If Republicans take back Congress, will you continue this busing initiative? So remember this. It was just two years ago we had the fewest border crossings in decades, and it's only under the Biden administration that we've had a record-breaking highest number ever of illegal border crossings. And so what we are hoping is that the newly elected Republican Congress, which we do believe Republicans will gain control of both the U.S. House and U.S. Senate, that they will return uh, to the policies uh, that Republicans had in place that led to that record low number of people crossing the border. If the Republicans do that, if they fully fund Border Patrol, 
fully fund and restore ICE to the rightful position and duties on the border, return to building the border wall, and reimburse the state of Texas for everything that we've had to spend to do the federal government's job, that means Texas will no longer have to be doing what we're doing. This is a federal responsibility under Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution. It's time for the federal government to step up and do their job. We believe the Republicans will do that. And if they do, that means Texas can ratchet back what we need to do to secure our own property. So assuming Republicans take back Congress, are you planning to scale back Operation Lone Star? That's what I'm saying is if, if not, not just if they take back Congress, but uh, assuming they do take back Congress and assuming that they fulfilled the promises they have already made to secure the border, that will allow Texas to ratchet back what we are doing uh, to do the federal government's job to secure the border. I want to pivot now to you, Valdi, because many of the victims' families have gone public about voting for your opponent, Beto O'Rourke, amid their calls for accountability. DPS Director Stephen McCraw has said that he would resign if there was any culpability amongst DPS for its response to the shooting. Do you think that DPS has culpability for the failed response that day? Well, here's what we do know, and that is one DPS officer has already resigned. Uh, others have been suspended. Others are, are, are under investigation. And I'll tell you why. Uh, and that's because at the time the shooting took place, uh, the Columbine protocol was in place. That protocol required uh, anybody uh, in a situation with a, a live shooting action at a school to run toward the shooter and take them out. Uh, and there are investigations that continue as we speak right now by the FBI, by the district attorney, uh, by the Texas Rangers themselves, uh, as, as well as by the Texas legislature to evaluate uh, the conduct of, of all law enforcement officers on the scene that day. Uh, and we will uh, await uh, the uh, determination of those investigations and the information that they provide to make decisions about uh, what the future holds for everybody. So, so based on the current investigations, the resignation, the suspensions, do you think DPS has some responsibility for the 91 troopers who responded to the shooting on May 24th? Well, listen, the, the, the way it looks is that there may be some DPS officers uh, who did not adhere to the Columbine Protocol, uh, and that would be a level of responsibility by, by them as well as uh, the others who were there. Remember this, uh, and that is the uh, school district uh, police chief uh, has resigned. Uh, pretty much the entire police department uh, for Uvalde has been put on suspension. Uh, and so law enforcement at the local, state, and I believe at the federal level also, all have a degree of responsibility and accountability uh, that, that must be determined here once we find out all the facts that the investigation provides. In a September interview, you said that the public should see every second of what happened that day when you were asked about DPS body cam footage from Uvalde. And only some of that has been made public due to media leaks. As governor, have you personally called Director McCraw or the Uvalde district attorney to release this information that you believe should be public? Listen, I've been publicly clear by making public statements repeatedly that all of this information should be made available to the people in Uvalde uh, ASAP, and that was as in months ago. Uh, and listen, I lived up to the same standard because uh, I was pretty much the first person to release information that was re requested of me. Uh, I, I wrote down notes uh, the, the day that I was there. Uh, and, and wrote down everything that uh, the uh, investigating officers told me that occurred at that time. And I released my notes publicly, and I think all other agencies should follow that standard.
All right, Governor, last question. You've been rumored to be a presidential contender, contender for 2024. Are you committed to serving your full term as governor if reelected? I sure am. My focus is on the great state of Texas. All right, Governor Greg Abbott, thank you for your time. Thank you. We also asked the governor about his plans to cut property taxes and his proposals to combat crime in Texas. You can see the full interview right now posted on our website. Just look for the link in the Texas politics section. Republican gains could give Texans more influence on Capitol Hill. We go one-on-one -on -one with a Texan in a powerful position about how the changes in Congress could shape key policy decisions ahead. More lawmakers weighing in on fixing the state system meant to help victims of violent crimes. See what they have to say about what we discovered. Held up, our ongoing investigation coming up. More lawmakers are speaking out about our investigation into long delays with the state's Crime Victims Compensation Program, a program meant to help victims of violent crime rebuild their lives. It's managed inside the office of Attorney General Ken Paxton. His office previously said he's working around the clock to timely and faithfully serve those victims. Since our reporting, we've reached back out to Paxton for comment. No response so far. We wanted to ask about our investigator Matt Grant's discovery, understaffing and low pay, leading employees to quit in record numbers, creating that case backlog. And now more lawmakers calling for change. One thing that got talked about a lot this week that I think is really important is that that office has been letting down victims of violent crime in Texas. Democratic Hayes County State Representative Aaron Zwiener and other state leaders sharing and speaking out about our investigation on social media. I am so grateful that KXAN has brought more attention to this important issue. I absolutely think that y'all's reporting has put this issue in a sharper light and created more pressure on us as the legislature to fix this problem. In response to what we found, Zwiener wants to inject more money into the Crime Victims Compensation Division, earmarked for salaries and more staff. In March, House Speaker Dade Phelan tasked the legislature ahead of next session with studying services that help victims recover and stay safe following a violent crime. With housing costs on the rise paired with inflation, the amount allowed for rent and relocation can be too low to support a survivor's needs. At a House hearing last month, victim advocates complained about long delays with the fund and inadequate help. The state of Texas does not offer job protective leave for survivors of family violence. Too many victims are not able to access victims' compensation because of bureaucracy. Claim payout can also take several months after approval. One example from the Tarrant County District Attorney's Office, a seven-month delay to approve funeral expenses for a drunk driving victim. Advocates want more case managers and simpler applications, something current and former AG employees told us is needed. It's very important to get them money timely. The AG's attorney for the fund told lawmakers it can work better, admitting applications are too long and amounts allocated for rent and bereavement too low. And it's never enough, not fast enough, and it's never enough money because nothing's ever, ever going to make it right. The AG's attorney says it's up to the legislature to make changes. We reached out again to Paxson's office for comment but have not heard back. Matt Grant, State of Texas. We also contacted every member of the House Criminal Jurisprudence Committee. That's the panel you saw in Matt's story. A handful have responded. You can see what they have to say and catch up on our entire series online now. Just scan the QR code on your screen. It will take you to this story in the Texas politics section of our website. 
As Republicans gain power in Congress, it's raising new questions about the future of funding the war in Ukraine. Can I say, you know, we're not going to write a blank check. We are going to have uh, oversight and accountability. We go one-on-one -on -one with a Texas congressman who will have a bigger voice when it comes to deciding the level of support, his view on what should happen next. A new report shows the board in charge of monitoring your pet's veterinarian isn't managing its data well. We investigate the concerns and the new leadership promising to fix the problem. One of the biggest storylines from the midterm election is the battle to control the U.S. House. Unofficial results show GOP candidates retaking the majority, and that could bring new influence to some Texas Republicans serving on Capitol Hill. Congressman Michael McCall won re-election Tuesday in District 10, which stretches from Austin all the way to the outskirts of Houston. McCall is the ranking Republican on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and he could end up leading that committee with the new GOP majority. Our Will Dupree spoke one-on-one -on -one with Congressman McCall about the midterm results and how it could affect funding for the war in Ukraine. Republicans nationwide did not do as well as expected as some of the polls suggested and what the experts were saying in terms of uh, a midterm year. What do you attribute that to? You know, we're still going to gain 225 to 230 seats. Now that's that's a win in my book. That's a larger majority than Speaker Pelosi currently has, you know, in the Congress. And so, uh, with that, you get the chairmanships, the gavels, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I look at it as not a, a win for you know the Democratic Party. It's 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 a win for the Republican Party. But I hope it's a win for the American people above all as we talk about issues pertaining to the economy, to energy, to the border, and to national security issues. And I hope we have a president who will work with us, a Republican Congress, uh, not unlike Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton had a choice. Am I going to work with a Republican Congress uh, or not? And I think uh, if I were advising the president for a day, I'd say take a page out of Bill Clinton's playbook uh, because that's what's going to be best for the American people. One thing that might be top of mind for people is what the future of American support for Ukraine looks like. Uh, if you should indeed become the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, what do you think that support will look like moving forward? Well, it's very important. Um, and first of all, I'll be the first chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, first Texan to ever chair this committee in the history of Congress. And I'm, I'm very proud of that fact. And it's a, it's a committee that goes back to the Continental Congress because it's so important with respect to our foreign policy and our position in the world. Uh, I think we, we need to support Ukraine in its fight against the Russian Federation. The Russian Federation has uh, demonstrated uh, aggression uh, in violation of international law. They've created uh, war crimes that I want to bring out to the American people that are horrific. Um, and, you know, the Ukrainians are winning. Every time we give them what, what they need, they win. Um, and my biggest, um, I guess, uh, complaint, if you will, against the administration is we're still not giving them what they need uh, when I talk to them. And so, uh, look, it's going to be a new Congress. Um, I will be in charge of the oversight and accountability when it comes to the weapon sales and when it comes to the financial you know, assistance, so we are going to have that oversight that the American people 
taxpayer deserves. How do you bridge some of those divides within your own party about future support for Ukraine? Well, it's going to be an educational process. And I think I say, you know, we're not going to write a blank check. We are going to have uh, oversight and accountability. We are going to ask our NATO allies to step up to the plate and, you know, bear the, the cost and the burden of this effort. But if we don't do this now, uh, we risk, you know, just like in 1939 when Hitler invaded Poland. And when I'm in Poland, they talk about that quite a bit. Uh, we risk, you know, then having to put American troops in the region. And that's the last thing we want to do. I think you'll find the three national security chairmen, one being armed services, one house intelligence, and myself on foreign affairs committee, uh, will be leading this charge. And we, we're all very like-minded uh, on this uh, effort, this approach. Finally, Congressman, I'm wondering who you plan to support for Speaker of the House. We just heard about Kevin McCarthy putting his name not too surprisingly, uh, into the ring for this particular position. Uh, who are you going to back? Well, I strongly support uh, Kevin McCarthy. He's worked very hard, uh, gone across the country, raised a ton of money. Um, you know, if he hadn't done that, I think these numbers you're talking about would have been far weaker uh, in the Republican ledger. So um, I think he's earned it. Um, he's got strong support in, in the Congress, regardless of what some of the pundits say, and I think he will be the next Speaker of the House. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. The State Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners is supposed to protect your pet from vets who may break the rules. Our investigation found it's not always easy for the public to see which pet doctors have been disciplined and why. Now, see how state lawmakers are getting involved and pushing for change. First of all, this is unacceptable. From, from my point of view, I'm sure every member on this dais. A new legislative report reveals the Texas Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners is still struggling to manage its data, raising new concerns about how they are monitoring the doctors in charge of your animal's health and safety. This comes months after our investigation found records missing and a backlog of complaints against the agency. Several top leaders have also stepped down. Now, with the vet board under new leadership, the state's Sunset Advisory Commission is taking a closer look with legislative staff citing our original investigation in the report. Investigator Avery Travis is at the Capitol with more. Legislative staff say this agency has failed yet again to fix problems with its database. Problems that not only make it hard to see how this agency is performing, but also make it hard for pet owners to see if their veterinarian has a disciplinary history. The agency's come under legislative review already three times in just the last six years. This past spring, when we found dozens of records still missing from the agency's public online lookup tool, the agency told us it was migrating data to new software and was even having to manually input some records. Sunset staff revealed the agency did not even have a written contract with the outside companies working on that data migration. That really comes out as a red, red flag to me because as a Sunset Commission, we need to get to the bottom of making sure that every single state agency runs as efficiently and effectively, ethically, morally. I'm not very confident in the ability of this veterinary board to do so. It goes beyond just contract 
contracts and data. Representative Justin Holland says he's heard from pet owners, but also veterinarians who are critical of this agency, saying its inefficiency and lack of transparency is impacting their work and the way they're able to care for animals. The chair of this year's Sunset Advisory Commission, Senator Charles Schwartner, called for a broad review to look at other issues beyond the database, things like how long it takes to resolve complaints and a huge dip in the number of completed inspections. Now, uh, with, with work such as yours and obviously the continued um, issues and data that we're getting from the Sunset Commission, it is very evident that this agency needs further scrubbing, further review, and making sure that it's, it's doing its job because it's not doing its job at the current time. I do understand the mission of this agency to keep a high standard of veterinary care in the state of Texas and I'm doing everything I know to do to keep that standard high and correct these issues. We heard from both the new board president and the executive director. Lawmakers were critical of them since they'd both been at the agency in the past, but they say they are committed in their new roles to making change at the agency. They do say they are going to request more legislative funding this year, though, to make those changes happen. Avery, thank you. We're expecting another update from the Sunset Commission in January. You can catch up on Avery's complete investigation online now. We have a special landing page linked in this story on the Texas politics section of our website. Just scan the QR code on your screen to go straight there. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.